Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Thursday. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky. Andy, the Boston Celtics, boo, are back in the NBA Finals. What can they and the Golden State Warriors teach the Lakers about putting a team back together? That's next on Locked on Lakers. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, sometimes on Saturdays and maybe even a Sunday here and there. We get fresh Lakers content up for you bright and early. Locked On Lakers on YouTube is where you go to get uh, the the podcast a little bit early. Plus, you get to look at us, which is that much better. I want to let everybody know that today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Um, so, Andy, anytime the Celtics are are big in the news, certainly when they're in the finals, it brings up all kinds of uh, feels for Lakers fans. Um, it certainly brings up a lot of memories. So we're going to spend a lot of time on today's show getting into some of that. Um, Robert Ory's got some comments about team building related to the Celtics. Uh, James Worthy had some comments about team building uh, that are relevant to this. So all of that's coming up. Plus, we're going to take a little trip down memory lane. Uh, for right. the last time the Lakers and Celtics were in the finals, uh, 2010, and you and I covered both that series and that Kobe Powell era very closely and just mm -hmm. seeing the Celtics about to go into the finals again, it just jogged back a lot of memories for both of us because it was a really interesting time to Two be covering that team. Very different series. Yeah. Um, do want to start with this. Uh, the Lakers released the, uh, the preseason schedule. So we're, we're on to that stuff, you know, some, some stuff people like schedules and I, they, they play six games, which is, I think the max that you are able to play. Um, <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I think that's. I think it's. I think it's a maybe. Maybe it's eight, but I think they. It used to be eight. I think they cut that down. I. I but you I don't have it, to. I think if it's more than six, Congress steps in. It's just too many. <laughs> it's just too many. Um, the, the the important thing isn't who they play or when they play or where they play. I disagree a little bit, Brian. We'll get into that. The the games, by the way, uh, Sacramento, Phoenix, Minnesota, Golden State, Minnesota, Sacramento. Um, I like it a little bit just because last year the Wolves became a bit of a like a weird quasi rivalry for the Lakers. Um, you know, Pat Beverly, all of them love to just talk bleep about Russ. They love to wallow in his and the Lakers' misery. So that's a little bit of spice to the preseason. There's also always a bit of animosity with Phoenix. Let me ask you, okay, but would it take some of the animosity away if I, if I just said definitively that the Lakers were Anthony Davis healthy would not have beaten the Suns this year? I mean, is that okay? Like, no, um, well, but they don't care. Right. <laughs> what, what you think doesn't matter. I, I'm, I still am hanging on to uh, two seasons ago, but I, I will say the Lakers were not beating anybody no. uh, this year, healthy or not. Um, but I, I, what, what got my attention here is just the sort of the concept of the preseason. Normally that press release comes and goes and it's like, eh, whatever. I suspect, Andy, that with a new coach, um, 
a significantly turned over roster, even if a couple guys returned from last year, some of the free agents. I could see Carmelo Anthony coming back on another one-year deal. Um, you know, they're going to try to bring Malik Monk back. A couple dudes from last year's team that are free agents could be back. New coach, significantly flipped roster, uh, and different context. They're going to take the preseason a lot more seriously this year than last year. I mean, one hopes because I know both of us were a little concerned last preseason, not even that they weren't necessarily winning, although that certainly does concern you a little it, bit. It did. It, as it turned out, <laughs> that was a bad sign. Well, but it was concerning, though, that they had this totally turned over roster then as well. And they didn't seem interested in playing this big three that everybody knew was going to be something of a puzzle to figure out how to put all the pieces together that they didn't seem interested in doing an old test run. <laughs> like they seemed to want to do the, like the games that counted as like a dress rehearsal live. Well, it's, I will say that it concerned me a bit. If you go back contextually, it at least it is, it is, it looks God awful in hindsight, but in, in, in the moment, it was concerning, but you could at least kind of understand some of it a little bit. You had Anthony Davis, who was the one guy in the big three who was like full on in the preseason. You, no, you got to give AD credit. Took it seriously, played hard, played the games, whatever. And then um, LeBron it was a thousand, you know, he's old. <laughs> and, you know, Mello's old. All these yeah. guys are old. And it's like, let's be careful how much we push because, um, you know, it's a long year, um, which turned out to be true in the worst ways <laughs> and, and all yeah. of that. Um, Should have played like a quarter than sat as opposed to not playing games nice. at all. It would have been nice. And I'm sure, Andy, had they known that they would never have an opportunity to play any of these players together ever going mm -hmm. forward, maybe they would have tried the preseason to see what was going on. Um, but I think they thought they'd get 80 games, 75 games, 60 games to kind of get the, you know, the group cohesive and whatever. But, but all, all it, just, it was just a, it was just a bad it was a bad approach. It got them off on the wrong foot in terms of this, the, the challenge, understanding the challenge that they were facing. And also, too, I mean. It's one thing if you are a veteran team, and this was certainly a veteran team in, in certain respects, the worst kind of <laughs> training <laughs> camp. <laughs> but it is a veteran team, no question. It's one thing, though, to be a veteran team that has played Civil together. War veterans. Like a, a veteran team that's played together for a while. Right. That's a team where you say, all right, you know what? These guys know how to play together. They don't actually need these games. This was a team that hadn't actually played together. And beyond the, the lack of cohesion, I think, though, it sets a tone. Yeah. It, like, it actually set a tone of complacency that actually carried startlingly through a lot of a season where yeah, they like weren't the first, actually like, winning. 55 games. Yeah. You know that what was, That, to me, was the biggest issue. It, it did actually the, set a tone I, that of I, complacency. I 100%. I, I don't. The fact that they lost those games is not why they lost in the regular season. And obviously, injuries played a huge role. Sure. And if players were healthy, we wouldn't be looking at the preseason. Of this. But that tone issue was huge. And it took a long time last year 
for everyone to get past the idea, the just the the concept of super team. We are definitionally one of the elite teams in the league, and we're going to treat ourselves that way. It just took them too long to get past it. And if there is a benefit to last year, that is a big if. That won't happen again this year. They may not be in a position to do anything about it, but the con- that's one of the reasons I think that it is at least possible. Not likely, not something I'd bet on, not something I'm risking the college fund on, that Russ could work differently if he's back this year because the context for everything and everyone is different, and context matters. They've made a huge mistake. <laughs> I still, again, my question to LeBron in that sort of Twitter AMA that he did was just when did, and he didn't, he didn't answer. When did you realize that this wasn't going to work? Because LeBron is a savant, like he remembers everything. Mm -hmm. So if there was a moment in practice where he had a, oh, bleep, and it was probably really early. Um, a bunch of other stuff we want to get into, including just sort of thinking about the Boston Celtics in the finals. Uh, it brings up all kinds of memories uh, about the teams that we covered uh, 12 and 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Uh, that's coming next. Lockdown Lakers brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models out there, it is impossible to stock all the parts you would need in a traditional chain storefront. And look, why would you spend 30% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership anyway, dealing with some shady salesperson that's openly treating you like an absolute sucker, just talking down to you like a fool. You can get it for way less at rockauto.com. For example, Honda Odyssey fuel pump, $353 on average at a chain store. It's only $216 from Rock Auto. They are a family business. They have been serving auto part customers online For 20 years, and whether it's for a classic or daily driver, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. And that's perfect for me, Brian, because as you know, I don't like being around people. I'm not a fan of them. So this is great. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car, truck, right? Locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we (laughs) sent you amazing selection. Reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Oh, my favorite part about the reads is the parts where we suddenly cut and jump cut into us laughing, but we mm-hmm. can't tell people why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we really shouldn't. Nope. Um, it was funny, though. It so was funny. the um, the Celtics are in the finals and the Warriors are in the finals. And it gets into a, a few things. Um, Robert Ori talked about this on uh, Locked on Sports Today. Earlier this week, (laughs) it's the name Mm -hmm. of the show um, with Peter Bukowski. And we'll get into what he said. And it it ties into some some things that James Worthy said about uh, team building and roster construction, all of which is highly relevant to the Lakers going forward. But honestly, Andy, yeah, once the Celtics beat Miami, the first thing I thought about was just Boston's in the finals. That means something to Lakers fans like. Catching the Celtics, the LeBron era, which was, you know, the LeBron AD era, which was supposed to help the Lakers catch Boston and maybe even pass Boston. Um, that suddenly looks further away. 
And while it's not the world's biggest deal, we can lean on the whole Boston won all their titles in the 60s. They've been to they've had one appearance in against plumbers, Brian. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> they've had one in the last three decades, they've had one finals appearance. It's like, okay. But it still bugs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you are the more uh diehard true Laker fan. Mm-hmm. Does it bug you when the Celtics make the finals? You know, it's interesting. I, I I didn't grow up in this. Like, you know, we're from St. Louis. St. Louis is not an NBA city. So I didn't become a Laker fan until I moved out here in the early 90s. And, you know, this was at a time when the Lakers actually weren't very good. They, they missed nope. uh, it's one of their few before recent history, one of their few missed playoff series. Now it's just become something they do. But you know, this, this was during this was during a down period that Turned I actually not got. to be a blip in an otherwise downward trajectory. <laughs> yeah, but like th- this was a period where the Lakers weren't that down. I mean, weren't weren't that good. So that rivalry wasn't necessarily a thing. And then as the Lakers became better again, it was for a while you know, a period where Boston was just terrible. And it was really interesting. Like Kobe talked about how when it took him and, you know, Kobe, for people who don't know this, growing up in Italy was a massive Laker fan. Even as a little kid, his grandfather used to send VHS tapes of Lakers games, particularly Lakers Celtics. So he knew this history backwards and forwards, but he even said as a player for the Lakers, it took playing them in the finals for them, for that rivalry to really resonate for him beyond just history, because these things don't mean something until you're playing for stakes. Like the Spurs and the Kings, that felt like much more of a visceral rivalry for Kobe until 2008. Right. And I bring this up just to say that if Kobe wasn't necessarily feeling it for a while because he wasn't truly in it, neither did I. So in a lot of respects, the, the Lakers-Celtics thing, I think, is a really fun history. You know, it's, it's one of the greatest rivalries in the history of sports, any sport. It does not mean something right viscerally to me that I imagine it does for Laker fans who truly lived it. Even though we did live it, we covered two really interesting finals between those teams. But by that point, like my Laker fandom had already been shaped. You know and what I mean? But it's interesting. It's like it's not. It's just even with those, those two finals kind of put it back on the map. And but since then, it kind of hasn't lined up either. Right. Um, it's really hard in today's NBA to kind of to build that kind of inter inter interconference as intra would be inside. Yes, interconference rivalry because it is so hard now to have a team that matters year and year, year and year out, year and year out. I mean, it's one of the things that makes the Miami Heat so impressive, that makes the Warriors and what they're doing so incredibly impressive. Well, I mean, um, we had it for a little while with Golden State and Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's really the that's really the closest thing I think the modern NBA has had to that type of interconference rivalry. I mean, off the top of my head, probably going back to Lakers Celtics. Yeah. I mean, but maybe they, I guess the Bulls Jazz. They met they met back to back in yeah, the finals. I, I but I mean that goes back a ways. I what I think is really cool though about, about right about the Celtics um and Lakers and the way that it played out 
is that it it made the fact that it was the Celtics made winning in 2010 so much better for the story of Kobe. Um, it made you know because he had lost to them. Like if he if he lost, not just the, lost in him. Brian, they lost by 39 in that finals clinching. That was a really game bad game. Six. <laughs> it was there. I was really, there in Boston. Really like, yeah, you had you had the short straw there. I got I got to travel for Boston the next time for a much better series. Um, had Kobe come back and won the second title against a different Eastern Conference, the Sixers, pick a team, doesn't matter. It just would have been different. The fact that the that the fact that it was Boston put so much and a good Boston team. Yes, put so much meaning into that series because it raised the stakes for Kobe. It raised the stakes nationally. It raised everything. Um, the risk reward was huge in that series. If Kobe loses twice to the Celtics, um, if he loses two of the three, you know, I am the captain now, <laughs> you know, Lakers finals, everything about the way that he was looked at, not that he wouldn't have been an all-time great and all that, but... Or not even that different. it was all fair, to be honest. <laughs> no, not it, no, not even, but it would have been different. It would have been yeah. very different. And that's why that game seven was, had the arc that it's did. It's why Kobe almost choked yeah um and you know managed to pull some stuff out at the end but kind of <laughs> almost choked and it so, was just it makes that whole thing so much more interesting was interesting in the moment certainly more interesting looking back on it so funny also too looking back on it remember first of all the whole team because it was it was a lot of the same guys from that 2008 squad that just yes. got killed by boston Yes. And the Lakers had punched their ticket to the finals before Boston had against Orlando. So everybody is doing, you know, the the practice questions, you know, who would you rather play, Boston or Orlando? And everybody you know wants to play Boston. They all everybody. want this redemption chance. But every single player is doing the politically correct thing, you know, we don't we don't care they're both great teams, we just worry about themselves until you get to God bless him Andrew Bynum who yeah. just had no filter and just zero Fs to give. And he's like, oh, we want Boston. We yeah. totally want those guys. Yeah, and it led to the great moment like afterwards where Kobe, after game oh. seven, he's like, guys, I I was lying. I really, <laughs> I wanted the Celtics the whole time. And we're like, what? Wow. You, you really pulled off that lie, Kobe. Nobody suspected a thing. But you know, there's like, you know, the people were so dedicated, so defensive to anything that came out of Kobe's mouth. But like, even that, people were, <laughs> there were people who were like, Kobe said he doesn't care about which team he's going to. Kobe said, Kobe is lying, people. <laughs> he is lying to you. And there were still people like, Kobe said he doesn't care. Kobe doesn't care who's on the other jersey. Kobe just cares about winning. No, Kobe cared about beating the Celtics. And that that moment where, because I think he actually did kind of genuinely think that we believed him. Um, 
and he like there was like this big reveal like no seriously i wanted the celtics no this was this was not the twist at, you know at seven we, we really could not figure out who's you know who's in the box it was not the end of it wasn't the end of the crying game like, we didn't <laughs> no. see that coming no kobe we all due respect yeah. we all saw through this it's also i mean everybody knows ron artest's press conference Yes. But it is worth pointing out, A, it is maybe the happiest, not to mention drunkest, I've ever seen a player. <laughs> but, I mean, every, he was not just so happy, Ron, because he was the only non-carryover guy from the uh -huh. 2019. He wanted this thing so bad, and he was hyper-aware that if they didn't win, he was going to be blamed for it. Like, they put in too combustible a personality, Ron's too erratic, too crazy, all that. And I'm sure we would have found ways to blame Pow too, but certainly right. Meta would have gotten and, a lot you know, of the, Ron. The, the, the irony, he was then Ron, the irony yeah. is the guy was an absolute sweetheart to cover. <laughs> he's one of our favorites. Oh, he's fantastic. But afterwards, A, he got applause from the media in that post. I've never seen that before. And then nope. B, later on that night, you and I ran into him in the LA Live Plaza and he was still wearing his uniform. It was like <laughs> a little league, a little league kid after a game. He just wandered. He probably went clubbing in that uniform. He probably did. The only the only thing I've ever seen that I liked almost as much was that like it was a few years ago, but there was that that like Instagram post or whatever of Joel Embiid out at a club wearing an Embiid jersey, which I thought was kind of boss. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about uh, team building and how both the Celtics got here, uh, how the uh, Warriors got here, and whether or not there's anything the Lakers can learn about how you can put Humpty Dumpty back together again because they have a lot, Andy, of work to do going forward. Um, Robert Ori had some comments about that um, on Locked on Sports today, um, earlier this week. Um, and so we'll do that next. It also dovetails in some James Worthy said. I do want to let you know that uh, we do have a favorite ask you. Locked On's put on a survey, uh, put a survey together so listeners like you can make your favorite Locked On podcast even better. It's an opportunity for you to tell us what you like and don't like about the podcast. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. Won't take long. Everyone who completes a survey qualifies for a chance to win one of ten hundred dollars Ticketmaster gift cards. Again, go to lockedonpodcast.com slash survey. Thanks very much for your help. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Bet Online, betonline.net, your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, boxing, NFL futures, and more. They've got all sorts of NBA finals uh, bets up right now. You can obviously bet on each individual game, you can bet on the series, you can bet on the stats for individual players, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Jason Tatum. You can even put down some money on Time Lord. Like they're really going down the rosters for both teams. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website today, use your mobile device, learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online where the game starts. Okay. So, um, how the Lakers get back to where the Celtics are, get back to where um, the the they were Warriors two years are. ago, where the Lakers used to be. That's a good point. <laughs> Man, this thing has gone south quickly. Um, <laughs> I'm old enough to remember when the Lakers used to win championships <laughs> two years ago. Oh, I remember when <laughs> Lakers were good. Oh, um. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so Robert Ory 
was asked on Locked On Sports Now with uh, Peter Bukowski. Locked On Sports Today. Locked On Sports Today with Peter Bukowski earlier this week. Um, another Locked On show that you can listen to uh, as part of your Locked On rotation. Whether he thinks the Celtics have a chance to be one of these sort of perennial contenders now going forward in the Eastern Conference, given their stars, given their makeup and and everything they have going forward. And his answer is both about Boston, but certainly very relevant to the Lakers. I think you look down a line and you says, okay, Tatum, first team, Max, Brown, Max, Smart, Max. These are super max contracts these guys potentially can get. So right. now we're, you know, if you, since I cover the Lakers, the Lakers got $40 million guys, three forty million guys. They can't get nobody else on the team unless they do some hell of a drafting, you know, and, and they get those guys that's going to be there. But it boils down to payday, man. If you're going to stick around and get paid or you're going to have that one falter and say, oh, you know, we didn't win a championship. We need to make a move because, you know, they exploited us in this area. We need to get someone in and they trade one of those guys. You know, people do dumb things like that. Well, GMs, I should say. So I think they have the potential to make a long run. This is going to have to stick together and do what a Tim Duncan would do and say, you know, what, I'm going to take less money. So you can sign a Tony Park, you sign a Manu Ginobili. But are these guys now, you know, selfless enough with it say hey you know what i don't want to make 40 million i make 30 million you know i, I don't think so i think every now every guy now is trying to get their bag so they can say you know what at one point in my career i was making 50 40 million whatever it may be so i don't that's gonna be the key though it boils down to money if they can keep that team together um interesting there and it, it we we actually have been sitting on some of the stuff that james worthy who did an interview with a station in detroit i believe it was yes it was um was talking about the problems that the Lakers have and how they put the roster back together. And he kind of pointed out a lot of the same issues, Andy. When you when you have these very high-paid stars, it's hard, it's hard to fill in around them. The difference between the Lakers, of course, and Boston, uh, the difference between the Lakers and Golden State is Golden State's got a massive payroll that they're willing to pay for, but they also have Jonathan Kaminga, they have Wiseman, who may or may not turn into something. They have Jordan Poole, like they, and they have some drafts. Moses like they, Moody, Moses Moody. They like they've done things that have helped fill in the pipeline, and they got a little bit lucky in the sense that they were great. Two seasons worth of injuries helped replenish things, and now they're really great again. Boston had Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and now we'll have to pay them, but they have. And Marcus Smart, for that matter. Who, Marcus Smart, right. I, not to disagree with Robert Ori, uh, he's not a max player, but he's going to be a handsomely, I, I think he's on an extension. Yeah, I think he's on an extension right now. And it's funny, Marcus Smart is one of those guys who is always, I, I, it seems like he's always on the block. And then he ends up not only staying with Boston, but getting extended. Yeah. Because ultimately, I think they come to recognize just what he means to that team. Um, here's Here's one of the quotes from James Worthy. Again, with a, a Detroit radio station, I believe 97-1 out there. But, quote, the Lakers, I think they refuse to build over the years. They've had some good guys, Brandon Ingram, Julius Randle, Lonzo Ball. We have tried to win quickly. In Kobe's last few years, we brought in Nash, who was a little bit older. Dwight Howard came in with a back injury. We traded away draft picks to try to win immediately. And I think they're going to have to really think about how they need to build. And then he mentioned Memphis and Boston and Milwaukee as teams that have 
gone out of their gone out of their way with, with a game plan where there's actual cohesion and then uh -huh. that's part of what they look to do as opposed to you know what the Lakers and what Brooklyn have done with really trying to center everything around a big three and, or and, as many as many stars as you can acquire as opposed to looking to build them yourselves and the other thing the Lakers did was you know, when they brought in LeBron and AD, they traded most of their infrastructure, but not all of it. Mm -hmm. um, no, you still had holdovers. You had Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and you had Kyle Kuzma. And like, yeah, did they get rid of a lot of those young players? They sure did, uh, but not everything. And when they've consistently sort of doubled down on on this and continued to move in you know pieces and infrastructure uh and assets they've gotten further they've they become an even more kind of get rich quick scheme kind of team and sometimes that works but holy bleep is it a difficult needle to thread and what makes it even harder is like you're talking about golden state now going forward as a team that ought to be pretty good they have to navigate Steph and Clay and Draymond aging, but they have Jordan Poole, who they'll keep. These guys will spend bleep tons of money. They have Wiggins, who they can either keep or trade or figure something out with. They have potentially Wiseman to either use or trade. Kaminga looks like he's going to be a really good player. Yeah. Like they've got the ability to kind of bridge into a team that can be still pretty good going forward. Boston has very young stars a lot of assets and good ancillary players or pretty good ancillary players at least. And both of these teams have really strong identities. And I think one of the challenges that the Lakers are going to face, and this is something that Darvin Ham's really going to be, I think up, up against when you turn the roster over every year. And that definitionally is where the Lakers kind of are now because they are so capped out with what they have. It's very difficult to build an identity. Golden state, for all the crap that they got last year, did something very smart. They coach Steve Kerr coached that team in anticipation of their good players coming back, mm -hmm. so that when those young dudes and all that stuff, and they got a lot of flack for it, like they were going to learn to play the Warriors' way, even if it didn't quite fit. And, and because a guy, eventually these guys would be back. And, and I think they they landed on pretty quickly that guys like Kelly Oubre or D'Angelo Russell did not fit the way they wanted to play. And therefore, they identified them as guys that cannot be building blocks. They right. cannot be part of this moving forward as opposed to trying to... You, you have to be flexible in the way you're going to play. And to Steve Kerr's credit, I think the last couple seasons, he's had to really coach more than he has in the past in terms of just like inventiveness and adjusting to what he had. And he didn't try to make these guys who they weren't, but I think he was always trying to figure out who they were within a larger framework of their uh -huh. identity. And it, it's felt like the Lakers have just gone away from the idea of just what is our central identity, no matter who we have. And if they find one, they had one the year they won a title. They sort mm -hmm. of had one the year following and then everything, you know, the injuries, the injuries screw with all this stuff. And, they, and the weird NBA calendar because no of the question. pandemic. But if they find one this year, this is one of my big concerns. Let's say they find a, a an identity this year. Most likely the teams can be made up of a bunch of one-year deals. You know, there's going to be a lot of that, if not made up entirely of half the roster is going to be on, you know, one-year contracts. 
how do they carry it over into the next year? You know, I'm not sure Rob Palenka is a great GM anyway, but no GM can consistently redo the team every single year and get it right every year. This would be the big argument because we, you know, we've talked a lot about the viability of trading Russell Westbrook. And my big thing is I don't want to bleed assets on a sideways or mediocre deal just uh-huh. to get rid of Russ. But this is my big argument for if the player is useful, I don't care about the contract. I don't care about the length right. of the contract. I don't care about clean books. Part of Rob Palinka's job is to figure that out if you have to figure it out. Red paper you, clip your way right, past but, what you have. But don't wall off options because you're thinking about, oh, some superstar could be available in 2020. Like, just don't. I don't agree. do that. Build a team. Um Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you go to find the podcast on the internet. It is a, uh, excuse me, the, the video part of it. <laughs> the internet. <laughs> Specifically where you go to find it on YouTube. <laughs> um, we do want to thank you for making Locked on Lakers your first listen every day. Make sure to check out Locked on the uh, Locked on NBA Big Board with host Raphael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board newsletter. He's joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin, giving fans a an in-depth look into the NBA draft. Again, live aspirationally if you're a Lakers fan. Uh, mock drafts, player rankings, and of course, big boards. Free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. We'll see. Oh, uh, we're, yeah. uh, hopefully for Friday, we should have uh, Amy Nicholson. She's a really, really good film critic who also happens to be a huge Laker fan. So we're going to be talking with her about her fandom, what she thought of this train wreck of a season, but also speaking of train wreck, we want to talk about LeBron starred in the movie train wreck and his film career has so far been anything but a train wreck. We want to talk with her about just LeBron's place in Hollywood and athletes in general entering that space. So we think it's going to be a really cool conversation. That'll be coming up on Friday. See everyone tomorrow.